Hey everybody, this is Scott Offord with the Crypto Mining Tools Podcast, and we have our co-host Ethan Zerka with us. Hey everyone, Ethan here. And he's going to introduce our, our guest today. Yes, uh, today we have Juan. Um, I, I'm sorry if I can't pronounce your last name correctly. I, I'm just going to go for it. It's Pinto? Yeah, it's Pinto. Juan Pinto. And you are located where, Juan? Caracas, Venezuela. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of, one of the places that nobody wants to be, but it's actually really, really nice to be. People don't know so, that yet. Yeah, help, help us understand a little bit about that. So, you know, we only can see what the media tells us about your country. And, you know, you're a living witness. You're actually there on the ground. You can, you know, give us maybe a, a, a different perspective than just what the media does. The media likes to kind of shock people or say the worst of the worst of things, you know, to, to get people's attention. And, you know, oftentimes we have to, uh, you know, understand that you know a lot of people in america don't understand that actually and that's kind of a big problem is they they take the the news as an absolute truth and don't understand that it's kind of been spin or there's a twist to it um to make it more extreme than it actually is so yeah tell us your perspective your side yeah it will take me it will take me like three hours to tell you this but i will try to to summarize as much as i can okay i don't really know the purpose of why the media try to enhance things in such a way I mean, what's happening here, it's, there, there really is a crisis uh, that started already like four years ago, like the, but the highest, the climax, the euphoria of the crisis, let's say, happened two years ago. And after that, we kind of reached the bottom and we've been staying like on the ground, asleep, let's say, in a way. People have left the country, uh, around five million people, which is a lot. Some people say it's even six million. And... Um, but I was outside too. I lived in Madrid in 2018, last year. I spent all last year in, uh, outside Venezuela. And when I came back uh, at the beginning of this year in February, I realized that many things changed and I saw the difference from what, how it was in 2017. And then I saw that the news kept saying the same thing when I, re when I started noticing that the like, security issues weren't as high as before, I was able to to be on the street, let's say, more with more calm than before. But uh, I don't know what the reason is, why they say this. Even my family who's living outside, they, they speak to me all the time, like if I'm going to die every day, like how do you survive, how do you eat? And that's not really what's happening. I mean, after they release the currency, now, they, now, now there's free circulation of the dollar in the country before it was restricted so that was the main reason why there was so much scarcity on the restaurants or in the marketplaces there was it was very difficult to find things but now that uh, the dollar was released it was a natural behavior of the economy i think it has nothing to do with politics and i'm not involved with politics at all i'm just talking from the economics perspective uh, the country has uh, improved in that sense you can find stuff even though now you have to pay in like the real price of things because before you were able to buy things 10 times lower than the price, the international prices. Now prices are at international level, so most people cannot afford it. But that's part of the of the recovery of the economy. You cannot just wake up and be perfect uh, immediately. It's like a step-by-step -step process and people will have to suffer the changes to, to be able to reach 
a better a better future for the economy or a better future for the families and their lives yeah um so juan i have a question for you uh you know specifically regarding mining we could talk a little bit about doctor mining um later but yeah how do you see mining uh, helping the venezuelan people well uh I'm I'm try, I'm not I'm trying not to be biased with my response, but I I mean I do think that mining is one of the main activities that can really help uh, the Venezuelan economy to recover, and the infrastructure of most of the main basic services like the transportation, electricity. There's huge electricity problems here with the network, and I, I suppose you have heard the news. We have had blackouts, national blackouts of more than a week, which is something unbelievable. Yeah, also that's, water yeah. there's a lot of water issues i mean m many houses in the country has no access have no access to direct water services hydric services and i do think mining it's very important for us and for the economy because uh, it creates a new way to transform our natural resources the natural the natural wealth that we have that is well known to be very big it's one of the biggest in the world in oil gas we have a huge uh, electricity infrastructure of gas turbines to take advantage of that resources, but we have never been able to uh, monetize it or to benefit from it because the only way to use it was just to export the oil in barrels to other countries. And that is subject to sanctions as it's happening now. And uh, it, right now we cannot benefit from it. And the industry has really uh, being destroyed in a way because if we cannot export it and in Venezuela we actually give it for free uh, I don't know if you heard electricity here is free uh, fuel you can fuel the tank of your car and you can pay with a cigarette with it and it, it's it's a lot wow. I mean, you can just fill your tank and just drive away and you don't pay for it and it's okay I mean you just give tips to the guy that's who wild yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so that's so that's, that's one, a big issue yeah. one thing I'm wondering um <clears throat> So what, why are those blackouts happening? Yeah, the reason why the blackouts are happening is because electricity is free. So if people don't pay for electricity, if there's no value on the energy, why do you care to maintain the generation resources? Yeah. You have a turbine that you need to spend thousands of dollars every month and you get zero every month in return for the energy that that turbine produces. That's the reason why. I mean, there's there should be a way to monetize or to regain value for the energy that is produced because it's it's huge hardware that is installed there needs to be maintained and that's what mining gives mining is the first activity ever to provide value to energy and i think this activity can really change the way uh, venezuela see his natural wealth and he, and its economy it's like a new road or a new motor for the economy this activity has uh, it gives value to energy, and if you give value to energy, you give value to your natural resources like oil and gas again. We're not able to export gas, for yeah. example. We don't have the infrastructure to export gas. We have sources of gas everywhere being wasted every time that with mining now you can go and take advantage from it and monetize it and use it to recover hospitals, education. And that's something that's difficult to see because everywhere, even here in Venezuela, and I know in the United States it's the same, and everywhere in the world, People see mining as a wasting activity because it's it's the easy way to do. And it's the first thing you see. Ah, oh, yeah, it's a machine that consumes energy, so it's very wasteful. Uh, you do this like a like you were a rat, you know, robbing energy. And what in fact is completely the opposite. You're giving value to energy that is otherwise wouldn't be wasted. And that's what's what, what we're trying to do here. There's many places where there are energy resources being wasted, 
not used, that we can go there, monetize it, and use that money to recover other sources of energy that are connected to people that can provide energy to hospitals, schools, houses. Are, right. are cryptocurrencies being used to to make payments, to, to purchase goods in, in your country? Are, are people using that in a, in a very real way? Yeah, so you can even buy cups like Scott's cups with Bitcoin in Venezuela <laughs> in some shops. Uh, there, are, there are places, there are places, many places here where you can pay officially with cryptocurrency. There's actually a national cryptocurrency called Petro. I don't know if you heard about it. Yeah, we've heard. Uh, that they're, uh, it's trying to be pushed uh, uh, by forcing companies to pay salaries of their employees in Petros and some shops are forced to be or are forced to give the option for the client to pay with petros but not only petro there you can also pay with bitcoin in places with dash dash is the most popular one okay, dash. shops because if they they provide like the infrastructure with the devices and stuff is more a friendly user for shop user owners friendly. yeah and um in, in terms of people, everybody here uses Bitcoin. I mean, local Bitcoins is like, I, I think Venezuela is one of the highest uh, used in the country with local Bitcoins used the most per capita. I mean, I, every time I use it every day, even my, my friends and everybody that I know that lives here are, are familiar with local Bitcoins uh, because you can transform Bitcoins into Bolivares very quickly. And you can protect from the devaluation of the Bolivar, which, as you can see, as you, as you know, it has this year. I, I arrived in Venezuela and it was like 15,000 Bolivars per $1. Right now mm -hmm. it's almost 50,000. So it's like four times uh, mm -hmm. more yeah, expensive. It has, it has divided a lot. So you cannot just leave your money in Bolivar because it will half like Bitcoin in 2020, uh, the, like the reward. So you, you use Bitcoin as a store of value. Uh, you use Bitcoin like to protect against against True. the devaluation of the Bolivar, and you you also have access to to exchange it for Bolivar. Uh, I mean, whenever you want, so it's very convenient on, on demand. Right. right. So yeah, can can you walk us through the process? So I know um, one of the things that that's kind of been a challenge for adoption here in the United States is, you know, everybody has to have a phone in order to make payments so they can, you know, show their QR code and, and they can get it scanned. Um, I know maybe in Venezuela, it, it's not possible for everyone to have a phone. It's maybe it's not even practical because, you know, there might not be a cell tower anywhere around. So how are payments being made without kind of using a smartphone in Venezuela? Oh, okay. In fact, you do need an, a, a phone. Uh, okay. Even yeah, it's it's still necessary, but it might surprise you. But here in Venezuela, uh, the people that's that the people who lives here, whatever is happening, they always want to be on the top of technology. I mean, we're mm. a very trendy country. Whenever a new iPhone is released, uh, everybody wants to have it. I mean, not everybody have the money to get it, yeah. but we're a very trendy country. I don't know how to say, how to explain, but everybody. I mean, you can have no food in your in your fridge but you have the latest uh, smartphone. That's very okay. common here. So not everybody has it. Of course, there's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say that everybody here's at the money to get one, but the people mm -hmm. who have and the minimum to have one, they will buy it and they will then find a solution for the food and for the transport, but they will have it. <laughs> as long yeah, as they have that phone first, right? That's the way it works here. I mean, I don't know if there are Venezuelans listening to me right now, but they will, I, I know they will agree with me. It's a very strange, uh behavior that we have here 
And so, the, but the people who doesn't have smartphone, then they can ask friends to do it for them, to store the Bitcoins for them. I do have some friends here who, it's not that they don't have smartphones, but they don't know how to use it, but they, yeah. so they just tell me, manage it for me. And whenever they want it, I send it to them so they can change it or they can pay for it. But it's, it's mean, I mean, I mean, it's not something, it's, it's very different to the United States because we have no option then to use it. You're, we're forced to use it. It's the best solution. It's the only way uh, to survive. And I, and I say this two years ago in a meeting that I had with another, in another podcast of Katie Vogue, uh, in a, the Wire magazine, and I told her exactly the same. I mean, it, it's not that we are uh, the best uh, crypto-friendly country. It's just that it's, it's a solution for us. It's, it's practical. It's convenient for us to use it. So we'll find a way to use it. Yeah. Um, all right, we got to take a little break here, and we have to mention our uh, sponsor, NovaBlock, their, uh, their mining pool. Ethan, why don't you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I definitely would like to, you know, say thank you to our sponsor, um, NovaBlock. They launched here in, um, what was it, August of 2019. And within four short months, they became one of the top 15 public mining pools in the world. And their goal is to, you know, help decentralize the hash rate. They see, you know, as miners and mining um, facilities are moving from China to other regions in the world, you know, specifically North America, they believe that North America will be a, a leader in helping decentralize um, the, the mining landscape and help it, you know, move out from China. They, you know, have a, a deep philosophy of, you know, increased transparency and educating the customer so, you know, they can make the pool choice that's right for them. And I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, so a specific call to action today, uh, if you go to novablock.com, you can enter when you sign up in the, the top right-hand corner of the website, enter uh, the invitation code OFFORD18, O-F-F-O-R-D-1-8. And um, you can also talk with Vincent uh, there at Novablock. His email is vincent.v at novablock.com. And uh, you can see if you can qualify for that uh, permanent reduction. So if you have... Uh, a lot of hash rate, uh, you might be able to get it lower, but mm -hmm. uh, they're offering a permanent reduction to 1.5, sorry, 1.8% uh, pool fee uh, for life. And so this yeah. promo is available yeah. until January 20th. And uh, if you sign up now, enter OFFORD18 uh, when you're prompted. Yeah, I mean, give it a shot, guys. What, you know, what do you have to lose, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, back to you, Juan. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Dr. Miner and uh, you know where you guys came from, how you got started, and, and what you guys do now? Well, we, we started around four years ago. Uh, we just bought a mining rig. Uh, I actually, we actually sold our bikes. Uh, Theo and me, we are two, we are two founders. Uh, we sold our bikes just to try to test the hardware and to see how it worked. We paid for a guy. I mean, he asked us for our bikes to teach us how to uh, assemble the rig connect to the claymore because we were using ether on that time actually started mining zcash then and but it was just a like a like a hobby for us and it, it was actually very dangerous because of the i don't know how, how to explain it but before there was a misunderstanding with the activity and because it was no legal or legal the police was doing whatever whatever they wanted with it and they yeah. were uh, taking uh, people's 
not only hardware, but also the money that they have mined. They, they even have the wallets and they, they gave you your, their wallets for you to give them uh, to give them your money. So it was a very dangerous activity for us at the beginning and we remained silent. We helped our friends. We started selling the rigs to, to friends and family. And then we one of our friends had another friend who had a bigger order and then we started growing and growing until one day one of our clients got in trouble and we decided to stop the activity that was around 2017 and right at right before the bubble and mm -hmm. we, we we needed to stop and then we we got like a little bit we can say scared maybe because of the persecution prosecution that was happening with the miners here mm -hmm. we left that's why i left i left at the beginning of 2018 that's why i lived in madrid by that by that year but then during that time uh, I started reading on the news that everything changed. The opinion shifted. Uh, the government realized that cryptocurrency was in fact a solution for the country with the sanctions and stuff. And they they legalized mining. They opened up exchanges. They created Petro cryptocurrency. And we kept working uh, from outside. I, I kept working from Spain. My partner Theo was also in Spain. And we kept, um, we were kind of advisors of the institution regulating cryptocurrency here in Venezuela. We were kind of suggesting them stuff because we had some more experience. People knew a little bit about us there. And we came back uh, by the beginning. I came back at the beginning of this year because we had projects to start uh, deploying that vision that I'm having, which is converting some of our resources, energy resources into money and invest it some, somewhere else to reconstruct and most of the damaged infra infrastructure, electricity infrastructure here. So we are, for example, uh, building mining farms near uh, turbines generation, generation that are actually working. And we use that energy to transform it into money with mining and use that money to fix other turbines that are not working. So that's kind of the vision that we have here. And that's what we, we've been doing during this year in several places. And we are continue working on that. Uh, I do have uh, hope on this activity as a as a motor for the recovery of our economy and the recovery of the country. And yeah, and uh, so are you guys? Yeah, are you guys mostly um, providing colocation hosting services, or are you uh, self mining? Yeah, so we started uh, doing uh, hosting at the beginning for a very important client, the first client that we had, which. Believe, who believed in us from the beginning. I mean, when I traveled back to Venezuela, he told us like whenever, whatever we wanted, he, he was going to help us uh, with our vision, which is, I don't know if you heard about Panda Miner. It's a Chinese company which worked with us since the beginning. And they believed in Venezuela since the beginning. Uh, the owner of Panda Miner actually traveled here uh, almost at the same time I came. And uh, he sent us machine and he's, he helped us building infra uh, farm infrastructures at the places where we found it was strategic to build. And at the beginning, we, were, we were just hosting machines for him. But as we were growing, we started buying our own, our own hardware. We started growing with clients. Our clients started investing in us. And, and so right now what we're doing is building farm from clients and operating farms for those clients and building our own farms and running our own hardware. And in the future, we're planning to do hosting for clients too, but we do, we, we prefer not to do hosting services unless it's our own mining farm. And so as we don't have um, 
uh, our own farms yet built. We're waiting for, for, for us to grow a little bit more, to offer services, proper services to international clients. So you, right you now, we're be able to control clients a little bit better. Yeah. You, you, you want to be able to um, offer something that, that you know that you're in charge of the infrastructure. Exactly. It's not, it's not somebody else's and, and you can manage the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, there are many places here where you, where you can start a mining operation, but the, as I, as I tell you, the electric infrastructure here, the electricity infrastructure here is not stable at all. You are like, you're like kind of gambling that the, there's going to be energy every day. So whenever I build a farm, I try to comply with the technical requirements of the energy service. Uh, I try to give back money to the energy company because here you can mine, you still can mine here and pay zero because electricity is free. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's not uh, sustainable. Uh, that's not a long-term approach because it can happen for one month, two months, and in three months, maybe you, you are disconnected from the grid permanently. So I right. prefer to be in a place where I can guarantee an energy service, a, a stable energy service for long-term service, for long-term contracts, one year, two years, three years. So that's why I decided to, to build my own infrastructure uh, strategically in order to offer services to international clients, yes. Yeah. Can, you, can you tell us more about um, the infrastructure you've helped to maintain and rebuild? Um, how many turbines to date have you, you know, successfully been able to bring back online or you know, keep maintained uh, on a regular basis? Like, um, and and you know, give us an idea of how how that benefits just beyond you know the crypto mining space and keeping your miners running how that's helping other people in your country and and you know keep the lights on and keep industry going and things like that yeah i'm going to give you an example for example one of the mining farms that we built uh, in cooperation with the uh, local institutions there in lara lara estate it's called you can google it up later and mm -hmm. That farm is connected to a gas turbine facilities. There's four gas turbines there, 20 megawatt each. When I arrived there, before we connected the farm to the turbine, uh, to, the, to the facility, out of the four turbines, there was only one running. So the other three were stopped due to maintenance or some breakdowns or something. And the one that was running uh, was only running at 50% of its capacity or, or even less. Instead of 20 megawatts, it was at like an 8 megawatt uh, potential. Mm -hmm. So what we did is uh, we started finding out what was happening. We did like a kind of a research and we saw that the reason why it was running so at so low capacity is because it was supposed to receive maintenance every 40,000, 20,000 hours. And because it was the only turbine running, they, they, should, they, they weren't able to stop it, uh, to do maintenance to it. So it, it, it had stayed like 60,000 60, hours running. That's why Goodness it gracious. stopped yeah. to be fixed. So what we did is we proposed the idea to connect our mining farm to that turbine, not to the full uh, capacity, the AML, but we only needed mm -hmm. two megawatts of the turbine for two, three months. And we were, we were going to pay for that energy and the money that we would receive for that energy were was going to be enough to fix the turbine beside it, the other 20 megawatt turbine. And once they fix it, they can turn it on and turn off the one that was on right now, do maintenance and to it. Repair. And so that you, they will have two turbines at 20 megawatt capacity and go from 8 megawatt to 40 megawatts, which is a lot for a state that only consumes around 300. We're talking about more than 10% increase in capacity. 
So that's kind of a small uh, example of what we want to do uh, nationally in, the, in every state, like to recover all that infrastructure that each state has in order to make them a little bit more independent from the main source that I know, I know that it's a hydroelectric source called Guri. It's the third largest in the world. Mm -hmm. But since like since 2010, Guri hasn't been enough for the consumption of the country. So since that day, uh, we needed to start building uh, gas turbines on each state so that each state has like a backup uh, mm -hmm. source uh, to reduce load on the main source. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to recover the, those backup sources on each stage so that we mm -hmm. can do maintenance to the main source. And this is like the, the idea for us to recover the electric system and make it as robust as it, it was intended to be one of the most robust uh, electric system in the continent. We have uh, oil and gas generation capacity installed in Venezuela is larger than whole South America combined. You, you combine all gas turbine generations in all South American countries and Venezuela has larger than all of them combined, which is wow. extremely high. And we also have the Guri, which is the third hydro power dam in the world. The only problem is that they do need ma they need maintenance. But how do you do maintenance to them if you, if, if they don't produce making no money? With yeah, mining, with mining they do make money. And most of the solutions, and that's something that I, I say every time to to uh, there, there, I don't know. I mean, if you Google it up, there is uh, ONG organizations. I don't know if you heard about the CAF, CAF, which is a very large organization that that helps undeveloped countries to recover and stuff. They are assigning money to Venezuela and other countries, and especially Venezuela, to recover the electricity system, to help people, to help hospitals that are run out of energy, and so they. There's uh, uh, patients that are suffering there because of that. And the solutions that they propose, everybody's proposing the same. They go to the uh, wrong sources of energy. Where, where, where are the problems? Where are the turbines that are not working? Okay, so we're going to invest all those millions of dollars to fix this. And my approach is completely different. I go to the sources that are still working, that are you still find something that you, you and, can, and you when can I find start with. Working, yeah. yeah, with this source. I can make money to fix the other sources. And add, yeah. I don't need to raise money to fix this. I prefer to use that money to build more hospitals, to, to build more places to produce food, to, to rebuild the agricultural infrastructure. Instead of, if you if you already have the infrastructure, you go to the sources that are working, you monetize it using proof of work, using Bitcoin mining, and you use that money to fix the other sources. It's a sustainable uh, solution. And, but it's it's difficult to make them understand we're kind of two currents going in different directions. Same with the same goal, but with different mm -hmm. approaches. But at the end, we will see which one uh, brings more value to the country. Yeah, you were. Well, asking, I, I have a yeah. I have a question for you. Um, what what is something that you need right now? Uh, you know, obviously, you know it's difficult for people in the United States to to work with uh, Venezuela today. Yeah. Because of the sanctions, but um, like let's say somebody in Canada or somebody in some other part of the world, what what could they do to to help you guys right now? Well, the main thing will be to help us build the infrastructure near the sources. Uh, we have already do the work. We have spent the whole year traveling around the whole country, every place where we think there is energy potential, uh, where we can take advantage of it and use it to help the country, to really help the country. Uh, so we find those places and it's, it's not just like, okay, I found a place, let's uh, transform that into money. No, you need to build 
the mining infrastructure, which could be mining containers for some places, depending how remote they are, or can be just mining farms on that places, depending on the climate. For example, there's a place in the north of Venezuela, uh, very strategically, very, very strategic. We plan to, to use it in next year, the beginning of next year. And uh, there are uh, huge energy resources there that are connected to one of the largest oil refineries in the world, which is like a, uh, there are three oil refineries, uh, refineries connected that produces the fuel that can be used by the turbines to, uh, to produce the energy that, be, that will be transformed into money with the miners. So that's like, it's for me, it's like a no brainer. It's a huge solution. Uh, from it's it's also like uh, purely to explain because you you have like a solution from the top that you are feeding the country all the way down and helping all the people living below because up there there's not many people living there it's just it's just uh, industrial infrastructure there that we can with mining uh, rebuild and make it a money a money converter or or a, or a money maker to help people down there suffering from electricity problems, water problems, uh, food problems, housing problems, uh, uh, health problems, all those problems that are true that you were asking me from the beginning, the media and hands mm -hmm. that are really happening, but that can be helped with this activity. I mean, we can really improve uh, from within. We don't need help from anybody else because that's what proof of work promotes. Like on each place you can transform the natural wealth into money you can kind of print money in the bitcoin way and use it down there so the help that we will need from international investors is to help us build that infrastructure in those strategic places like the one i'm telling you in the north it's called falcon state you can google it up to uh it's, it's to help us build infrastructure that make make that vision possible we will still do it even if we don't receive uh, help or leverage from international investors because they're all scared to invest here and I understand it and, I, and there's no way for me to change their mind. I'm betting on this and I believe this is possible. I'm running this idea, I'm running this project. Even if I don't have, if I don't have the leverage from them and still do it, even if it's with my own money, even if I got, have to go stone by stone, even if it takes me years because I know it's possible and I know someday and I know in the future, if I, if I create the first solution and I prove it, it works, even though I already built one in a lot of state, but if I do it also in Falcon State, people will start noticing. People will see I build things and they start believing in it. And then then it can grow faster than it yeah. is now. But I still do it. I will still do it. So, Juan, uh, other than money, what's yeah. something very practical and physical that, that you could use? For example, a transformer, a yeah. generator, a That's, turbine. It's actually not money. I mean, if you send me money, I will use the money just to buy the uh, mm -hmm. mining infrastructure, which will be transformer, electric cable, circuit boards, uh, the racks for the miners can be the fans in case I use uh, air cooling, which is something that is not uh, suitable in every place here. For example, in Falcon State, we have the problem of salinity, I think you say in English, in the air. There's too much salt in the True. air. With, there's a lot of corrosion with the machines. I mean, we have already tried to mine near the beach, and it's really difficult here near the Caribbean Sea. And that place needs, and it's mandatory to use immersion system. And we have already been in contact with the immersion system team that we met in Las Vegas, thanks to Scott, by the way. And 
that's that's one of the things I, I will I will need. I mean, if somebody says to me, okay, I will buy the immersion system for you, I will send the tanks to you. I'm more than welcome. I don't need the money. Just send me the immersion tanks, or send me the pumps, or send me a transformer, so that I'm able to uh, make this idea a reality and make this dream a reality. That I know it's I, I know it's going to happen. But yeah, rather than money, it can be it can be it can be electric electric stuff. It can be ventilation stuff or cooling stuff like the immersion system. Yeah. Okay. Juan, um, just, yeah. uh, you know, you, you said things have really changed significantly um, since you left and, and since you've now returned. Can you maybe paint a, a picture? And I know predicting the future is difficult, but, you know, from where you stand, your, your perspective, uh, what do you see happening in the next 12 to 24 months, the next one to two years? In Venezuela or with yeah. mining in general? In Venezuela, yeah, just you know, in, in the the whole picture, how mining is changing things, and, and Wait, I'm everything. confident. I'm confident that 2020 will be the year of mining in Venezuela. I do think that it's going to become top three, not to say top one industry in the country. I mean, the, the whole economy is going to be based upon cryptocurrency mining because our economy is currently based only on oil production. And we don't have any way to export oil anymore because of the sanctions and all the blockages that we have right now. And we are proposing a solution to do the same, but internally, without the need to export it. And we have spent the whole year trying to explain this uh, solution to them. And I think, I do believe that they have realized that it's true. We have proved to them that it's possible. And if it continues to be this way next year, I think it's going to become the top one industry in the country. Yeah. Well, Juan, we're coming to the end here, but uh, how can people contact you? Well, you can contact me via email. My email is, it's going to be difficult to understand because it's in a Spanish name, Juan Jose, Juan Jose at drminer.com. And you can also find me on my Twitter handle, even though it's not, it's, it's more of a cheat posting <laughs> account, but I do, I do share good content there at bchainbtc. That will be my Twitter handle. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much, Juan. Yeah, thank you. Very thank informative. You, I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for being our guest today, and um, we'll see you around. All right. Thank you. Bye. 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 We'd like to thank our sponsor again, NovaBlock. Uh, they are at NovaBlock.com. They're a mining pool in North America, and they just launched recently. But uh, they are offering a 1.8% permanent uh, reduction uh, in the mining fees. So go to their website, novablock.com, and enter the code uh, after you sign up on the, the link on the top right-hand side of the corner uh, of the website. Enter the invitation code OFFERED18. That's O-F-F-O-R-D-1-8.